but not everything is helpful. I have the freedom to do anything, but I won't be controlled by anything. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God for his word. Thank you, Frank. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, speak to us about what is helpful. Helpful for us as a community and also reveal to us what may not be helpful. So Holy Spirit, allow my words to be helpful so that we can be more faithful, active participants in building your kingdom. Amen. Well, good morning, Hazel Park. My name is A.J. Grant, and I am the nephew of renowned paleontologist Alan Grant. You might have heard of him before because he seems to get in the news every couple of years because us humans just can't stop poking that figurative bear. Or in this case, poking the T-Rex. It all started nearly 30 years ago. Can you believe it was 30 years ago? My uncle was invited to the first ever Jurassic Park by the overly enthusiastic John Hammond. Mr. Hammond was determined to create a theme park of dinosaurs where people could engage with the creatures who roamed the earth millions of years ago. And Mr. Hammond was a visionary dreamer. And there are gifts in that. We need that in our world. Shoot, Jesus himself had a big vision of how he wants the world to look like. A place where the oppressed are liberated, where the poor are given good news, where the blind receive sight, where the captives are released. That's a big vision. One proverb, even, one proverb even says, where there isn't vision, the people perish. When your pastor was in seminary, because, you know, I checked in with him and learned, we learned a bit of each other before I came here. When your pastor was in seminary, the, his school had a saying that went like this. Dream something so big that unless God is in it, it will fail. That's a good statement. Powerful statement. Thought-provoking. Dream big. But then there's that second clause. That second clause that is just as crucial. 
Dream big and make sure God is part of it. Don't let your dream just be about your personal desires. Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, God hates wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others and themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another accordingly. John Hammond had a dream, and he demanded that others bless it, regardless of the potential hazards. Now, my uncle has never been a big fan of Dr. Ian Malcolm, one of his other original voyagers to this park. But Dr. Malcolm really nailed it when he said to Mr. Hammond, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. What Dr. Malcolm and Reverend Bonhoeffer are saying is that we need the discipline of discernment. And for people of faith, that means that we take the time to stop, hit the pause button, pray, listen. And Mr. Stammon just didn't have time for that type of stuff. Even going through the necessary inspections for his park with these dangerous questions, he said in his own words, words those inspections just slow everything down. Discernment means that we take time for self-examination, to allow God into the inner parts of ourselves, into those quiet places we just sang about. Because discernment then isn't just about, and after we have that quiet time with God, discernment isn't just about us and God, but it's about also listening to God speak through others so that we can make sure we don't just depend on our own wisdom and understanding. Friends, whether we're people like John Hammond or just regular folk in Hazel Park, Michigan and greater Detroit, whenever we have a vision, whenever we imagine something that we hope God will do in the world or in our church or even in our lives. We have to take time to examine the roots of that vision. We have to ask ourselves as honestly as we can, is this about me? Is this something I want? Is this something great for ourselves? Or is it great for humanity. And here in that small little scripture reading, the Apostle Paul is saying that we have the freedom to do anything, but not everything is helpful. 
And Paul is writing to a Corinthian church that is mostly wealthier and a group of people who have come to faith but aren't yet understanding the purpose of their faith. Because the freedom that this newfound faith from their perspective is a freedom that allows them to live in whatever ways feels good in the moment. Gratifying sexual impulses, indulging because of their wealth, showcasing their wealthy status in how they present themselves. Friends, we have freedom in Christ. Thanks be to God. The chains that held us captive to the ways of the world have been broken. But we are not free to live however we want. We have traded in the shackles of the world for a life that is kind of like a bowling alley. Because when you go and you pick up that bowl to let it go down the alley, you're free to throw it however you want. But if you throw it with bad form or in the wrong direction, it might just end up in the gutter. In today's world, talking about freedom in Christ is something that I think we need to give significant reflection to. We live in a country that gives us numerous ways to express our faith, and there are many gifts and opportunities that that gives us. But that doesn't mean all ways are helpful. Is it helpful to say all are welcome unless we really mean it? Is it helpful to welcome people into the church and then create barriers that keep them from getting fully involved because they may or may not sin differently than you? Is it helpful to complain about the state of our world, how the world's just going to hell in a handbasket, nobody cares about the church anymore? Is it helpful to take that approach and just say that things need to go back to the way they used to be? Is it helpful to the mission of God in the world to draw lines in the sand and put our sole main focus in winning the culture wars, whatever those may be? Is it helpful to go out in public labeling people who have different beliefs than you? If you go on some large college campus, you might find sometimes what is called a campus preacher. Individuals who have the legal right to be there. They have the freedom to show up and do what they are doing. And they let people know that. And they sometimes will hold signs labeling all sorts of different people and damning them all to hell. They have the freedom to do that. But it is not helpful for the kingdom of God. Is it helpful to go out and tell people they just need to get back into church? Or is it more helpful to sit down 
listen to their concerns. Maybe change what we're doing in the church to help address those concerns and meet those needs. Freedom in Christ, the past three years. Was it helpful to continue to worship in person during the height of COVID? Thankfully, our church here chose not to tempt God in that regard. Legally, we were exempt. Churches could go about their business and pretend that nothing had changed. And some did do that. Even still today, in fact, this morning, I saw something of a, from an organization, a group of pastors who were asking other pastors to sign on to this um, proposal that used coded language that basically said, no matter what is going on in the world, we should be able to do what we want, how we want, where we want, in any way we want. They can do that. But that is not the freedom of Christ and the witness to the world that we should give. Freedom in Christ frees us from shame. Freedom in Christ frees us from self-loathing. Freedom in Christ chains us to love. Freedom in Christ holds us to a life of justice. Freedom in Christ doesn't allow us to do harm, intentionally at least. And friends, this is actually good news because here's the beauty of how the church is truly built. And this again comes to us from Reverend Bonhoeffer. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. What he's saying is that when we just take the time to love those around us, that is how we use our freedom in Christ. Because he's not just talking about people in the pews next to us. I think we already do that fairly well most of the time. He's talking about in our day-to-day -day life, where we find ourselves each day. Part of what Paul is teaching us in this section is that we all have our limits on what we can and should do as human beings. And Mr. Hammond doesn't like those. We see in one of the very first scenes, just as he was going to meet my uncle and try to convince him to come, he already let himself into my uncle's trailer, popped the champagne, and told him it was time to celebrate. The intentions may have been good, but the impact is horrific. And those are two very important concepts, intent and impact. Just think of the past three years, especially during early and midway through 2020 as we went through all those ebbs and flows. People would not want to follow safety protocols and say, it's not my intent to give anybody sick. And it wasn't, but it was the impact. 
Sometimes that's why we have to take a step back and discern. Luckily, we're in a very different place in our world now. Thanks be to God, we're here, we're singing. We should be here, we should be singing. And we can be in a different place on how we do life together. But the same principle still applies. And you never know when we could be in that situation again. We have to be able to discern intentions and then take time to think about what the impact could be. Because Jurassic Park and all the sequels tell a story of people who thought they had everything under control. They had an iron fist grip on everything and nothing was going to escape their grasp. Well, then just one thing goes wrong. One little unexpected occurrence, one little drop of rain that just goes through the entire house. Everything goes to kaput, in some cases inside a Tyrannosaurus rex's digestive system. Because here's the truth of our world. We aren't in as much control as we think we are. God has given us a gift of freedom. We've received salvation in this life and the next. Thanks be to God. Holy guacamole times 10. But that doesn't mean we are in control. The people of Jurassic Park thought they were in control when they tried to make all the dinosaurs female so that none of them would reproduce and they wouldn't be able to do what they did. But then as they say, life finds a way. When we try to hold a tight grip onto our way of life, when we say this is mine, this is how we're gonna do it, in the way we're gonna do it, at the time we're gonna do it, this is how everything has to go, God has a funny way of just taking that very thing that we thought we had perfectly under control and throwing it out the window. And I think the reason God does that, at least part of the reason, is that when we try to control our surroundings, go outside those human limits, when we do that to such a strong degree, it takes away our ability to depend on God because we're just striving on our own human efforts. And the good news about that is that God never asks us to control everything. We're called to be stewards of the world, caretakers, not to control it. We see instances like the Tower of Babel early on in the biblical narrative where this ancient community is trying to build themselves up a tower all the way to heaven to be right next to God, to be like God. And God just ends up looking at that tower like a Jenga puzzle, removing one little piece and it all comes crashing down. Friends, we don't have to control things. We can have peace. And just doing the part that God has called us to do, because we all have a part in somewhere shape or form. We can do that part and then we can let God take care of the rest. 
Now, I fully admit, especially when times aren't going great, the temptation to try to control is really, really tough. But there can be peace in taking a step back, discerning what is ours and what is God's, and then just letting God be God. And when we fail to do that, well, I highly, highly doubt that any of us will be taken out by any velociraptors. But I don't think any of us will ever have any true peace either. Because control, that iron fist grip, that is the gateway to anxiety. Because we're putting all the dependence on us, thinking that we have to be the ones to produce, and that just is a mess that we don't want to try to clean up. Control is the gateway to anxiety, but releasing it, that's the pathway to peace. So let's not just look at what we can do. Let's discern what we should do and release the rest. Because when we really focus on what we should be doing, that just might allow the world to see a new idea of what the church can be. As my uncle said, Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, I have decided not to endorse your park. Friends, let's make sure that God never says to us, my child, after careful consideration, I have decided not to endorse your plans. Amen.